When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. I'm pleased with Joyner. I'm definitely pleased with how she's prepared to get ready for this season. I'm pleased with how she's approached and attacked needing to be a better leader for our team and needing to be that presence on the floor and in practice every day that that this team desperately needs. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Well, how fortuitous is this? Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little. So good to have you here as we talk women's college basketball at this time of the season. It really dominates everything in our industry, and we're so pleased to be able to bring you an interview this week with Karen Aston, the head coach of the University of Texas. And what a job. I'm recording this on Sunday night. What a job that her Longhorns did today, knocking off the number one team in the country, Stanford. And when I talked to Coach Aston last week, of course, uh, we got into what it would take during the week uh, to not only get a win early in the week uh, against a very tough Ohio team, but then turn around and give your best effort against Stanford. And she absolutely got her best effort against Stanford today. 67-64. They're looking for jump. It's tipped into the hands of who else? Joyner Holmes, who will put it away. And Texas has knocked off number one Stanford. What a game that was. Joyner Holmes uh, going down to injury, being able to come back late in that game, put the capper on it. Uh, You heard that there. The breakaway bucket right at the end to win it by five. Charlie Collier, just an outstanding game. Nearly had 20 and 20 in this one as Texas gets the win. So many times when you've got a number one team uh, that, you know, maybe is underperforming just a little bit, uh, according to their aspirations, uh, on the road, 
you know, they overtake the home team and then really put them away. But that did not happen in the Sunday ball game. So just huge props to Karen Aston squad for what they got done. So not only do we talk about uh, preparing for the week ahead and then conference play with the head coach of the University of Texas, not only that, but then we get into Coach Aston's career a coaching tree that's really starting to expand as she goes on in her career and just different aspects uh, of her career, including some WNBA players, some pros that she's had the opportunity to coach over the years and her thoughts about what they've been able to do. So let's get into it. The head coach of the University of Texas, Karen Aston. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, let's talk about, uh, first of all, just I know it's been an up and down start to the season, but getting a win at Tennessee over a team that had a really good start to the season, first time that Texas has ever beaten that uh, illustrious program. Uh, what kind of b- building block can that be for this season? Well, you hope it's a good one. Um, you know, I, our team had to overcome you know quite a bit of adversity at the beginning of the year and a lot uh, Lots of injuries, uh, healthy people kind of going in and out of practice. So I, I think that it just took a while for them to, first of all, get everybody in there every day and get some chemistry together. And and what you hope came from that game is that we're building that type of chemistry that is able to overcome being on the road or overcome runs in a game and overcome uh you know, obstacles that come about. And I think that takes chemistry. It takes team chemistry. It takes working together as a unit, trusting each other. And, and it's something that's built within a team. It just doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't, it doesn't translate from one year to the next. It's, that's the funny thing about basketball and sports is that every year is different. I mean, you might, you might have a great year one year, and then the chemistry starts all over again. So I think we're starting to build that. What are the challenges of, you know, really at, at this point, you're kind of running with uh, an, an eight-person rotation and bringing in a ninth every once and again. What are the challenges of that for a staff, And but what can be the positives as well? Hopefully, you know, we are definitely starting to get a rotation that they're comfortable with just to be blunt about it, even the starting lineup is, is something that I think is important as you move along. Um, and, and we've still, we're still getting players back from injury. I mean, uh, you know, Joyner played in the game against Tennessee, but she did tweak her, tweak her ankle the day before. So she's been out of practice a little bit and we just haven't been able to keep an entire team in practice every day. And that's something that hinders us from a, from a, rotation perspective and when can you get comfortable with not only your starting five but who is your rotation who's going in for who and I think we're still a work in progress with that but we're getting closer uh, being able to have Izzy and Shug back uh, pretty regularly has helped us and I think players are starting to get comfortable with okay this is my role to start the game this is my role as I come in and even though they may change throughout the season you do want to try to get some level of consistency with a starting lineup, and your rotation. And I, I think we're getting a little bit closer with that. And you mentioned uh, Joyner, and her start to the season, numbers-wise, has been 
really good. And a, a lot was written early in the season about how much she needed um, to step up uh, this year with it being her senior year and, uh, you know, having a couple uh, seasons, you know, whether it be injury or whatever the case may be where she wasn't what she wanted to be. Uh, the numbers look like they're there. Obviously, she's playing a lot. How has the coach felt about it so far? I'm pleased with Joyner disappointed for her that she's had a couple of setbacks with her ankle, but I'm definitely pleased with how she's prepared to get ready for this season. I'm pleased with how she's approached and attacked needing to be a better leader for our team and needing to be that presence on the floor and in practice every day that, that this team desperately needs. Um, You know, having Shogout all summer and all fall has really forced her into a leadership role. It's forced Jada Underwood into one. And um, because really, when you think about it, the other senior is LaShawn Higgs. And so LaShawn and Sugar are coming back from significant time off where they've had to kind of find themselves again. And they're still a work in progress with that. So it really forced forced Joyner to mature some. It forced her to take on some leadership roles. And I'm pleased with that. Um, it, it's just a matter of, of consistency with her. It's it's trusting the work that you did this summer, knowing that you're in the type of shape that it takes to play at a high level for 30, 35 minutes. But then also, how can I be consistent every day in practice so that I can lead the way for this team? And we're chatting with Karen Aston, the head coach at the University of Texas. You've mentioned Suge a couple times and the, and the fact that the stress fracture had kept her out of much of the preseason activities. Uh, but she made it back pretty much for the start of the season how much further can she go? How how close is she to peak Suge Sutton, or does it uh, is there a little bit there to go for her at this point? I think there's a little bit to go from a maybe from a mental perspective, just being sure of herself, being sure of the foot, um, feeling good about about herself, which I, I think is really important for for guards in particular. I mean, they want to feel good about about their presence on the floor. They want to feel confident, healthy, and I think she's still a little bit away from that, but I think she's getting closer every single day, as we saw in the Tennessee game. And even in Hawaii, she looked really, really sharp in the in the North Carolina State game, and then as the days were along, you know, it, it caught up with her a little bit. And I think as we move forward in conference play, we'll figure out what days we need to maybe give her a little bit of a break to make sure that she stays fresh uh, just because her body has sort of taken a beating throughout the years. And is, she's one of those players that I think the fresher that she is, the the better uh, mentally and physically she is for our team because she's carrying a big load. I mean, she's not only the uh, a significant scorer for our team, but she's also sort of the heartbeat as far as the way our team runs uh, just because she's such an experienced player at the point in position. It sounds like, uh, you know, just from the injury situation and the short shorter rotation with the number of uh, scholarship players that you have on the team this year and things like that, that, um, you know, you go one and two and maybe don't uh, close things out against Hawaii the way you want to your third game in three days, that this is a team that's going to be better, you know, come conference play because you're only playing two games a week and they're spread out a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. where maybe – maybe that's just not what you're built for this year is the, the three games in three days and staying out of that situation uh, come conference tournament time, if at all possible, would be key for your team. 
Well, I definitely don't think we were built for it in the moment. Um, but I do think that we have grown from that experience. And I think that it was some awareness on all of our parts, just in a sense of how do we manage this group? Um, you know, there's no question that we have to manage them physically and mentally a different, different than maybe I have in the past with, with, with teams, um, because of our short numbers and those, that's just awareness on everybody's part. You know, they, they need to take care of their bodies. Um, but you're right. I mean, when we get to conference play, you don't play three games in a row and you, you are able to manage it a little bit differently. And they're experienced players that I don't think have to take every rep in practice, but having them out there, you know, the older players and Suge in particular, just because she is our point guard is really vital. And for her to, start to feel better about herself and better about the reps that she takes every day. Trust the process in all of this. You, you would like to think that we're going to be where we, where we need to be uh, when the time comes again, we're, we're still still a few weeks away from conference play opening up and we have three more games before we start conference play. So every day we're out here, we need to try to build on what we're going to do in conference. This really is an interesting time for you guys. It sets up well in that you're at home for four straight games, and the end of that is TCU and the start of conference play. But in there, right smack dab in the middle of it, is the number one team in the nation coming to town. Yet here as we talk to you on a Monday, you're preparing for Ohio, and that's just as, as crucial you know, to, to go ahead and uh, to, to prepare well and pick up that win. At, at the start of a week like this, when you know at the end of it, you've got a number one team coming to town, how do you try to manage the kids, or do you have to manage a team that is so senior-laden this year? Are they doing a good job with that? Do you feel like they'll do a good job with that this week? I do feel like they will. It's a, it's a fine line that you walk when it's finals week because you want to get the most out of your practice time. We, we've had a We've had a significant break here in between – conference game in between the Tennessee game and the Ohio game, probably the longest I can remember us having. And the, the issue becomes making sure they, they get practice time in, they get to make some extra shooting in, but you also give them the freedom to make sure they're taking care of their academics because it's, it's obviously very important to them. So we've had some days off. We've been able to give them some time to really focus on their academics, but then, make sure that we're prepared for Ohio. And I will say this much, there's not any looking ahead to Stanford. I can tell you that because Ohio is a very good basketball team that very easily would have and should have been in the NCAA tournament last year. And I would expect to say the same thing about their team this year. And if we're not ready to play, uh, we'll be an unhappy bunch on, on Wednesday night after that game, because they're, they are very talented. They're very competitive and it sets up well in a sense of, finishing up before we go home for Christmas with two extremely competitive games that will hopefully help us be better as we go into into the TCU game in January. But again, we have to start right now with how are we going to perform against Ohio and what can we do to try to win that basketball game before we ever move forward to uh, what's after that one. 
Well, it's a very interesting time for your team, and it's going to be fun to look back, you know, and, and see how uh, your team has handled it. And we certainly uh, wish you the best for for this week. Uh, but some of the things that I love to talk to you about whenever we get you on the line is just the way that you've developed into a coach that has a a, a large coaching tree, and it seems like it expands every year with uh, with somebody new getting a head job that's been under you in the past, whether it be Jaylee Mitchell at North Texas, Travis Mays at SMU, obviously Tina Thompson at Virginia now. When you're looking for assistant coaches, do you always look for assistants that have those aspirations, or it, 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 does that not really matter? Or, or why do you have uh, you know so many recent assistants that have gone on uh, to head jobs themselves? I think there's a couple of reasons why. I'll answer, I'll kind of go backwards with this. I think there's a couple of reasons why we've had assistants move on. And I think the biggest reason is is the University of Texas, and I think it's I think it's twofold. I think everybody knows that the way the administration handles their business here, the class of our program, the way that we do things here, is the way that you're supposed to do them. So I think people that are looking for head coaches know that anybody that that coaches here is in a system, and when I say system, I mean an administrative system and a cultural system here where you do things the right way. Uh, and it's more program related um, as far as how to build a program, how to run a program. And I think that they would say the same thing about the way my own basketball program is run. I think that they know what my tree comes from. I think they know who I've worked for and they respect the way that we do things here. So they know that there's an assistant that that has been in a system that is teaching them something. And then I think the second thing is just that I think most people know that I, I let my guys do stuff. I mean, it, you know, they definitely get their feet wet on the floor and some coaches don't, some coaches, the assistants don't really do much on the court. So I think that that gives um, administrators the freedom to say, okay, I think this person would be prepared to run a program. And as far as what I look for, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily look for a coach that has aspirations of being a head coach. I mean, you definitely want them to be driven and you want them to aspire to do things at the highest level. Now, for some, I think it's being the best assistant coach they can possibly be. I think that's what they love. That's what their passion is. And I think for some, it they dream of being a head coach and if they tell me that's what they want to be, then I want to put them in a position to be able to do that. And that's through giving them responsibilities that try to prepare them. We're visiting with Karen Aston, the head coach at the University of Texas. And I, I've been pretty close with Jaylee Mitchell over these last five years or so. And, uh, you know, seen her work. And um, certainly I, I think she reflects you in a lot of different ways. But you've seen Jaylee since... You know, she was basically in diapers, basketball speaking, you know, as as you helped recruit her uh, to North Texas. And then and then you saw, uh, you know, in in many ways, a great career at the University of North Texas. And then she steps away from that. And she really wasn't in basketball before she got back into it and and decided later on that she wanted to be a, a coach and, and, and possibly a head coach down the line. How did you see Jay Lee develop over the course of her basketball life and and why did she come back to the sport after you know initially thinking about uh, getting into something else as a career 
Well, I mean, obviously, I don't want to speak for Jaylee. I don't I don't know what her process was through all of that as far as the decision to go back into coaching. But what I do know is that Jaylee loves helping people. Um, it's interesting because you would probably start most conversations about coaches saying that they coach because they love the sport. And I definitely think that she loves basketball and has a passion for women's basketball. But I, I think more than anything, Jaylee loves helping young people reach their potential and coaches that are successful. It has to be about that. I mean, it just can't be about the winning and the things that go along with that. I think it has to be about helping young women not only reach their potential athletically, but academically and socially and spiritually and all of that. And I think Jay Lee is the epitome of a coach that is about that. And I loved every second of working with her. I loved recruiting her I love her. I think she is a wonderful person that our sport needs desperately, um, whether it be as a head coach, an assistant, an AD, um, you can name it. But I think our, our profession needs people like Jaylee Mitchell. And I think, you know, you're right. I probably misspoke asking you why she did something. But I think kind of what I was driving at is you've seen her in a lot of different stages of her life. What stood out to you when she made that turn from, you know, player to eventually assistant and then to somebody who was ready to be a head coach eventually at her alma mater? Um, I would say what stood out the most, I, I just go back to her passion for helping people. I mean, when, when she, when I hired her here at Texas, it was just so apparent to me that she wanted to, she wanted to be the best. I mean, she wanted to recruit in the state of Texas. She wanted to bring the best players here to the university of Texas. And it was all about Texas while she was here. And that's what's, um, and it was all about like trying to please every day. And she put her heart into what she did here. And then once she left, she's put her heart into North Texas. And I think that's, that's her best quality is she just puts her foot in, you know, she puts both feet in and she says, okay, I'm here. I'm going to pour my heart into my job and I'm going to pour my heart into helping these young people be better. And I, you know, it's down to the point that she'll stay up all night and talk to one of them if they've got a problem or need somebody to lean on. And I just think that's who she is. And I just go back to that's what we need in our profession. More people that are pouring into the young ones, more people that are trying to help them grow and trying to help them understand, you know, what, what this is all about. And she was so much that as an assistant, and I'm sure she's the same as a head coach. I know she was very integral in kind of bridging the gap and, and helping bring in Ariel Atkins to your program at the university of Texas. And now Ariel has gone on and she's a WNBA champion I just wanted to use that as kind of a bridge to talk about Ariel a little bit. How how proud were you of of seeing her hit that uh, hit that pinnacle as a professional just a couple years in this year? Well, I think the old saying that you get what you deserve in this profession goes full circle with Ariel because her career here to me was a little shortcutted in a sense of she had an injury that set her back at the end of her freshman year kind of bled into her sophomore year. And I really didn't think that she got, she got the accolades that she deserved here as a, as a longhorn. But what's so unique about her is that she just stays in the process. 
she stays really locked into who she is and what her goals are. And she doesn't let outside noise get to her or things deter her from her goals. And you're absolutely right that Jaylee was a huge, huge piece of the recruiting process with Ariel as she was with several players that are still here. I'm just so proud of Ariel just from the sense of she just stays the course. I mean, it's not, she's her own self and she does what's best for Ariel and she does the things that it takes to be successful. And I think players that do that get rewarded and she absolutely deserves the reward. And another player that is starting to come into her own at the pro level in a very different way in a lot of aspects is Imani McGee Stafford. And I know that, uh, you know, you talk about uh, having some some struggles while they were in college. I know that that was the uh-huh. case for Imani, and, and you've been outspoken about that. She's been outspoken about that. But as far as the way that she has 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 turned the corner and become a voice um, for mental health and for um, it, you know survival after uh, sexual abuse as well. Um, what's your reaction to how she has uh, used her platform in a in a really positive way at the end of her Texas career and now as she's moved on as a pro? I think Amani is a perfect example of, of what all student athletes should do. They should use basketball and, and use their their academic career as a as kind of a leapfrog for other things. And, and there's no question that Imani is a very gifted basketball player, but it's not who she is. She's not, a, she's not, it's sports is not who she is or what she's about. It's what she does. And she's a very insightful young woman that I think just used our university, our university and, and the things that are here. I mean, including the network uh, just to kind of a springboard for her to, to be able to voice um, something that's really, really dear to her heart. And she's not done yet. I mean, there's no question that she's advocating in the WNBA and I'm really proud of her because I, again, I don't think basketball is who she is at all. And for her to sort of come into her own uh, is something I'm really proud of probably more than any player I've ever had just because she had so many trials and tribulations and, there was so much adversity even in her career here that, I mean, you have to, you have to think that there's really a a kind of a a love for the game somewhere in there among all of these other things, just because she just stuck to it. And she, there were so many times that Nomani could have said, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm, I'm injured. It's hard. Um, But she stayed the course. And I think that, She's a great role model, uh, just from a sense of someone that that can talk to young people about, hey, you know, just stick to it. Don't don't give up. Don't, you know, there's times when you want to quit, but don't do it, and good things will happen. And you've gone through um, a, a you know a, a change personally in your life here recently, adding a a kiddo in the last couple of years to the equation <laughs> of your personal life. How has that how has that changed you? Because you've gone you know for for so long as as a coach, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth other than as a coach where you didn't have a kid. So that's the that's as much as I'm going to say. I'll let you fill in the oh, blanks yeah, after that. How has that changed you? Oh, it's a, it's a life changer. I will tell you that that having a child and going home every day and and realizing that there's really there really is a bigger picture to life than sports um, has been a gift for me. 
and it, it, it's it's I mean I guess unless you're a parent it's pretty indescribable but but again it's just it's just realizing that you you can influence someone's life literally every single day just by how you treat them and and when you go home you know you you realize that that little person's happiness is in the is in your hands um, it, it's a it's a unique responsibility that. I just don't think you ever you ever really understand or have a concept of until you have one of your own, and um, it's it's been really special. Um, I say this this all the time. You should definitely be ready before you have one, because it is a huge responsibility. But what a light, um, what a light that a young person that a child can have on your life. It's it's been a a wonderful experience, and can't wait to watch her grow up. Did it change? how much time you spent actually in the office it, it did it has that has it changed up your life from that aspect like during the season uh wasn't an adjustment um, for you to say well I, i've got to do this just a little bit differently now i think the biggest thing is that you know when you're driving home you want to get you want to get those phone calls over with while you're in the car um, because there's just a limited amount of time before they go to bed, you know? And so being able to say, okay, I, I want to try to take care of something so that I can spend an hour, uh, with her when I get home from work or maybe, you know, wake up in the morning a little bit earlier and make sure I see her before she goes off to school. Just some little things like that, that you obviously never think of until that time comes, um, is it, it's important to prioritize your time and, it probably heightened my ability and my instincts to prioritize, even though that's something that I've always been pretty big on anyway, which is managing your time. Uh, it has heightened that thought process a little bit for me. And that's not a bad thing. It, it's not a bad thing to sort of re-energize yourself and reprioritize. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience that wouldn't trade for the world. I agree completely, Coach. And uh, I'll leave you with this as we focus back on the on the basketball court and and, and your team for a moment. Uh, let's envision that this UT team in in March and April has has in in many people's uh, estimations overachieved and gone really deep into the NCAA tournament and had a really successful year. What has that meant along the way? In your mind, what has your team done in order to, to make it there? What are the keys to, to making that happen for this particular uh, 1920 UT basketball team? Yeah, I think the biggest key is to, and I've said this several times in this conversation, is just to stay in, in the moment and stay with the process because we haven't had all of the pieces together the whole entire way, so the ability to stay focused and, and stay in the moment and make the most out of every day as far as trying to grow is really, really important because if you stick with the process of getting better, it will turn out the way that you want it to. So I think that I hope that we have that quality of being able to just get in and get to work every day and try to get better every day. I think for this senior class and how much they've grown up, I really want them to experience memories and, and leaving the University of Texas with some memories of them, but I also want them to leave here with some great memories of this particular year and this particular team, because I think they're really trying to own it. I think they're trying to take ownership. And when players try to do that, you want them to 
you want them to experience some rewards from it. So it's more, it's almost more about what we think of ourselves and what we, what we can remember about this um, that will lead to good memories for other people too. Outstanding. Well, coach, we wish you the absolute best this year. Looking forward to a great one as you turn into the new Thank year you. in Big 12 play. Thank you, coach. Thank you. Hook them horns. Karen Aston, the head coach of the University of Texas here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Thank you so much to coach Aston. What a weekend it was for her Texas Longhorns knocking off the number one team in the country as they take down Stanford by five. It's kind of funny. I actually talked to coach Aston for the first time over the summer and for some reason the recording didn't take. So I just, I hated that. And to pull back the curtain, I felt a little bit ashamed of asking her to do it again so quickly. So we may do over the summer and, you know, I kind of pieced things together and did some other interviews along the way. And uh, it just so happened that uh, University of Texas happened to reach out to me and say, hey, you want to have her on the podcast? I mean, the answer is always yes. Um, but you want to get this re-recorded, And we were able to do so. And uh, Coach Aston, so gracious, not only to do my show, but if you want more with Coach Aston, I know Howard Megdahl on the live Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast had a recent interview with Coach Aston as well, a two-parter that I know you will enjoy as well. So if you don't um, previously subscribe to Howard's podcast, make sure you do that as well because uh, you know that uh, he is going to bring you and continue to bring you great guests as well. Big thanks to everybody that was involved in this podcast. Make sure to listen to our Unplugged podcast throughout the week as well. We've got uh, a nice little rack of them, uh, most recently talking about Pac-12 women's basketball and who the best uh, teams are beyond the top three in the Pac-12 because you know it's loaded uh, this season. Thanks to our executive producer, Aaron Barzilai. Our announcer is the great Susie Solis and Jared Deck of jareddeckmusic.com also did our music as well. I'm John Little reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.